your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Well, if you weren't nine feet tall, Mark, then then you wouldn't have to like hunch. We just got to get you a sh- like one of those kid chairs, maybe, so that then then the microphone is. Hi, I'm Rick Sola. Mark Newman's in here, city council member of District 13, retired pediatric critical care doctor. We're going to talk about, well, the city council just wrapped up its meeting last week, Thursday, and we can talk about some of the repercussions, probably isn't the, the greatest word there, results from the city council meeting. And um, maybe maybe some of the, as, as we get into, obviously we're, we're pretty well into the new year, uh, head into uh, some of the priorities maybe that you see, Mark, uh, as a city council member going in. Um, and you don't want to do U.S. house talk. You don't want to do, <laughs> you don't want to do that. Um, but you are a retired pediatric critical care doctor, uh, mostly at Gunderson. How long did you do that? Uh, I was at Gunderson for about eight and a half, nine years. Oh, okay. So Mm -hmm. how long, well, how long before that were you a doctor? That's not very long. Uh, I practiced for 35 years. Yeah. That's what I thought. I knew that. So somewhere in like, uh, where, where else did you practice? Like area? Um, I think there was a big part that I did in Africa in the country at the time called Zaire from the mid-80s to the mid-90s. Oh, that's boring. Anyway, moving yeah. on. City Council, TIFF talk. Let's do it. No. Okay, so what? can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, I was working as a missionary, as we used to say, in, um, in the Catholic Church and serving uh, a diocese in the northeast of the country called the Congo or the Democratic Republic of the Congo today. At that time, it was called Zaire. What, and what then did, also the year, southern region. What year was this? Or the 85. Years? 85, okay. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's a huge commitment to just, to like, that. I mean, can you talk about how, how one goes about that and decides that's what I'm going to commit to? Um, I was a member of the Franciscan Order at the time, and that was um, my commitment was to be of service to people in any way I could. And um, I was um, allowed to go to Zaire and try to do my best as a physician practicing with the people that were there. And what was that like? Just the, do you have any stories that come from that? I mean, whether whether it's practicing as a physician or just other stuff that you experienced over there. Well, of course, there's tons of stories, Rick. But I think, um, and not apparently ordinary one might be that um, people always ask me, "Well, how do you work in that circumstance with limited resources?" And then I would have to answer that, well, that's always what we have. No matter where we are practicing, there's never infinite resources. And so we take whatever means are available. Uh, You know, the resources that are uh, uh, allowed to us or that we have in our disposition, and we try to do the best to help people to be healthy. And in this case, I did a lot of uh, distribution of uh, immunizations. Um, At the time, there was a raging uh, measles epidemic epidemic. when I first moved to the southern region of that country. And the mothers of the children, they flocked easily to our distribution points because they saw when the um, epidemic came would, would come through about every seven years how it would devastate uh, the, the health of their children. Um, interesting, you know, given what, what we have experienced over the last couple of years, right? I mean, just looking back on that. Oh, you mean uh, with vaccination? But yeah, certainly with our experience as Americans with the epidemic and actually uh, the world to have to live uh, live that experience of an epidemic, a pandemic in our case. Do they, 
does that still does that still happen now or the, the like what you were doing then are you still are, are people still doing that now in that regard where like a measles breakout happens and you, you i mean i imagine it doesn't stop right um the immunization the the level of immunization never reached as much as what we have in the united states and so um i'm quite convinced that at this point without specific evidence that measles is still um, a common occurrence in areas of Africa that have uh, low levels of immunization. What was a day like when you worked over there? I mean, was it like, because I've, I've done a story on, uh, I think they, it was Aquinas basketball player whose dad was kind of did, did the same thing, but she got to go over there with her dad. And um, it was like, he was talking about it was like 16 hour days and just, you know, nonstop work. I mean, similar to your experience for you? Um, I don't. I don't think I thought about my work in terms of hours, like you know, on a schedule. Um, I was working as a single physician almost the whole time. In other words, always on call. And so I would have people come in the middle of the night. Oftentimes it would be difficult uh, childbirth that one of the midwives or the midwives would come and uh, wake me up and say, we got, you know, they're asking for some help. So it was pretty much 24 7, 365 to be available. Uh, obviously, it, you know, it didn't mean that we were seeing patients continuously, but for an opportunity to sort of recover or get a little bit of relief, I literally had to leave where I was living in Lukafu and go to a different town, to Lubumbashi, and spend a few days there just to sort of be away from the practice. Um, 85, so you don't have a cell phone at least, thank goodness, huh, right? Because if you talk about being on call. I mean, you, oh, you maybe you had, a, had beepers in 85, I don't even know. Well, Probably not getting a beep, right? No, no. It would be just folks coming to our door if if we if it wasn't the time that we were actually seeing patient, patients or people at our health facility. But at other hours of the time, you know, you could always have a family come forward with uh, an Ill, Ill member um, seeing if we had some resources or ability to help them. And how long did you say you were over there doing that? So it's broken up. It's not continuous, but I first set foot on African soil in 1985, and I think the last time I was there was 97, but it wasn't continuous. There, yeah. were, there were breaks. There was a one-year break at a certain point. And being, being a doctor who's delivering babies, when you look back, do you know how many babies you delivered? I don't. You probably get that question all the time. Well, there were hundreds because I would get, I would be uh, approached to help when the labor was complicated, and so... Uh, most of the childbirthing was done with the assistance of the midwives. It was when it became obstructed um, childbirth that I'd be called. Oh, because sometimes you can't take credit. Ah, she did most of the work, or the midwife did <laughs> most of the work that time. I just stood here and oversaw what's going on. Very happy to give credit to anybody. <laughs> um, do you have any advice for, for doctors? That, not so much that are going to Africa, but just like new doctors that are getting into a field like that. Hey, count the number of babies that you deliver because in 20, 30 years when you're all done, someone's going to ask you that question. You're going to need an answer. Yeah, I, <laughs> I suppose. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Dr. Mark Newman's in here. We're going to talk a little bit about the city council, what they did last week, Thursday at their monthly meeting. Uh, some of the stuff going forward, too, as well. Maybe the some of the priorities, Mark? Does that sound like a good uh, good plan? Yeah, I think we had a pretty busy uh, council member or council meeting last Thursday. It was a, it, like we're going to kick off the new year with a, a very important meeting, right? Like Because some of the meetings are like kind of, eh. But anyway, we got to take a break. We'll, we'll, uh, Brad's got to do the news. We'll be back. 
You know what I didn't introduce you as? Failed congressional candidate, too, as well. I forgot to do that. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> 608-785-7914 is the talk text line. Dr. Mark Newman's in here. Uh, represents District 13 on the City Council. The, is, is that the southmost district off the top of my head? Yes, it's our southernmost district in La Crosse. Um, how do, so, I, so every once in a while, because I follow some of the City Council members on Facebook, and then they'll... Like I think Chris Woodard posted something from like one of the neighborhoods. Powell, it was mm-hmm. a, I can't think of the the three areas: Washburn, Paul Polk, something like that. Um, do you have something like that where a your city council page where people could follow you, or like a neighborhood group from District Thirteen, anything like that? Where you know, like I don't know, and 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 then uh, selfishly, then I can keep track of what you guys are doing, but also like maybe your community then would be like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. Well, how do you, how do you guys talk to each other? I guess between city council rep and your district. Well, I, I uh, hold myself to answer any mail that I get, any emails that I get, and that's a particular. Um, I, I guess I could say enjoyment, but certainly it seems fulfilling. Even if uh, people write to, you know, they call it ZZ council members, so every council member gets a letter. If I can answer it, I'll try. But particularly if it's sent to me personally. Mm-hmm. and to follow up, and sometimes to, to meet people in circumstances where they find themselves either at their homes because of an issue that's in front of them or something like that. Uh, we do have a neighborhood association, Springbrook Neighborhood Association. Unfortunately, I kind of came in a bad time because it was you know, elected at the um, outset of the pandemic. And so there, as far as I can tell, there's been some difficulties having regular meetings for that Getting association. Back on track, yeah. But uh, just yesterday I wrote to the chair uh, and I'm hoping to see that if they're starting to pick it up that we'll be able I'll be able to sort of jump on board with uh, whatever uh, interests that group has. But that's kind of the way I've been trying to respond to people. Yeah, you didn't respond to my when are we going to create an indoor sand volleyball facility that I sent to the all, all the council members. Missed that one. Missed that one. 608-785-7914. Uh, all right, biggest thing from the city council meeting that happened last week, what would your your opinion on what maybe the biggest legislation that that you guys discussed? Well, I liked a lot the the uh, mayor state of the city address and um, he was able to sort of identify for all of us, um, you know, things that have been happening in our town that are good. And for me, that meant a lot because I think that when it comes to what we experience in sort of our day-to-day living, a lot of times it's what we experience on the level of our local government that really makes a difference for us. And so um, I think that even though that wasn't a legislative action, that's an annual presentation by the mayor of our town, and we were just looking to see if the video is available. It's not yet posted yeah, uh, on the website. But um, I would expect that the video recording of our meeting is available, and anyone would be able to, when it becomes available on uh, the cityoflacrosse.org website, uh, Legislative Information Center, when that video's up, we would be able to see it. I think the most important thing in front of us is the... Um, you know, the resolution adopting the City of La Crosse 2022 Climate Action Plan. Um, and that's just a personal concern that I have, and I think it's shared by just a multitude of billions of people of how we as humanity are going to be responding to the 
difficulties and challenges of the climate change that we're experiencing more and more as the years go by. And I, I would say that that climate action plan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I talked to Lewis Kuhlman, who's that's kind of his baby, right, in the city's uh, in the planning environment, department. environmental planner, I believe he's mm-hmm. in. Planning and, department. And he said this plan is, is like an eight-year, um, I don't know if you want to call it an on-ramp or an off-ramp to a longer plan that was adopted uh, in 2009 to get lacrosse carbon neutral by 2050. It's, and, and this kind of sets the, this is kind of a baby, I don't know if it's baby steps. It might be bigger than baby steps, uh, an eight-year plan to kind of start that pathway to. For sure. So C- City of Lacrosse was committed to carbon neutrality by 2050. Uh, legislation, I think it was 2009. Um, we have to keep doing things. We have to keep making practical steps in that direction. And so I'm, it's probably in that idea that uh, Mr. Coleman was uh, alluding to, that this plan offers hundreds of things that could be considered as, maybe if you alluded to them, baby steps, sometimes they seem like small things, but it's an accumulation of things that uh, we hope will help us to be more adept at adapting to the changes and mitigating the effects of those changes as we expect to see them in the future. Adept to adapting. You can put that on like your living room wall or something. <laughs> One of those like live, love, laugh. Um, is is the climate action plan something that that the city is doing within itself more so than the city is doing to kind of help the community along to to changing over? Is it is it more like the city is going to have all go all electric on buses versus the city is promoting? Uh, and I'll just this isn't a thing, but right. like promoting the population of the city to go all electric or something like that, or have, uh, you know, instead of a gas furnace, uh, you know, uh, whatever. I, you understand what I'm saying? I, I think, um, you know, when you think about these plans that the city, that we as a, as a community established for ourselves, we do a lot of, so uh, taking this one as an example, a lot of work with hundreds of people were contributing to this process, and we had hired a consulting service to help us be an effective way of formulating a plan, um, that work is repeated in other areas, you know, a comprehensive plan uh, for the city so that we're not just wandering around, but we're we're trying to give ourselves a direction. And um, there's nothing sort of like big in itself. It's more a lot of little things that we want to see things go in this direction Uh, to make our town more, for example, um, um, pedestrian friendly would be an example so that it's easier for people who are walking to experience the you know the, the loveliness of our town and to try to help our help ourselves move away from being so car uh, obsessed or um, dependent dependent so that notion would be included in a city plan for itself this is where we want to go and when opportunities come for specific um, you know building or zoning issues or construction or utility adaptations, all those things, we can consider those questions and concerns against these bigger picture plans. Yeah, uh, creating a city that's more walking friendly just promotes the idea that, oh, you know, it's going to be pretty easy for me to either walk or hop on my bike to get from point A to point B within the city versus, you know, it, 10 years ago, maybe that was difficult, hard to hard to do that driving. Um where do you stand with traffic circles and, and being walking friendly? Because I've had Mitch on the mayor and he, you know, he's not a big fan of 
and when it comes to pedestrian traffic, the the the, the roundabouts, the traffic circles, a little different. I think traffic circles are more pedestrian friendly, but roundabouts not not the greatest for pedestrians. Yeah, they don't appear to be all that um, sort of walker friendly. <laughs> you know, it's like when do I get my chance to dive into this? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I can <laughs> if I have much more to say about that. But we want to keep moving in the direction of making our town easier to get around with um, other non-car vehicles. Yeah, it's kind of two entities going at it, right? Like the city of La Crosse is doing one thing, and then the, the state DOT is the one putting roundabouts. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we might talk about is that we, if you drive down South Avenue, there's a big demo process going on. Or maybe, I think maybe they're done demoing, and now they're just going to have to focus on cleanup at some point. Um, but, yeah, we've, we've started the process of adding uh, those, what is there, three roundabouts going to go? Because there's the, the one way on the south side is already done. Yeah, I'm familiar with that one on the south end. Uh, it's the junction of Highway 35 with um, <clears throat> Highway 16, or excuse me, Highway uh, 1461. That was, for <laughs> my experience living in La Crosse, always hard to sort of negotiate. But now with the roundabout as it is, uh, the turning circle is really a dream to go around there. Do you like so you like the one way on the south side that yeah fr- from the perspective of somebody driving a vehicle somebody yeah. having to turn left to go to what is it Westby or I don't know what if you're turning left there because that that would be troublesome but every other direction was kind of good to go uh, the real one was if you were coming driving west off of uh, 14 and you wanted to go south on 35 it was you know when's my chance yeah there's the, that's when traffic gets backed up yeah I would say that the uh, Having driven through there a couple times, even this weekend, it's. Uh, it, I haven't done it at five o'clock though yet. I wonder anyone driving through the uh, the roundabout in the south side right now, like how how is it looking out there? I guess the weather's <laughs> kind of crappy too, so yeah. uh, maybe maybe the, maybe they're not quite done. Maybe they'll put lights up or something like that. Um, oh, there's lights. Is there lights? Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's nice too. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. I said that really fast. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. Doctor Mark Newman's in here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about what the city council uh, did last week and what, you know, some of the plans going ahead for 2023 when we come back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk text line. Rick Solom, Dr. Mark Newman's in here. City council member for District 13, F&P Committee, Finance and Personnel Committee. Uh, let's see here. You're a retired pediatric critical care doctor who doesn't know how many babies you delivered. You're also on the arts board, and you're part of the Harbor Commission, which you told me is like a county city duo. Um, har- like, uh, where's the har- what's the harbor on the on the south side, or just so it has to do with the management of our riverfront. Oh, okay. Um, you know, in front of the city of Lacrosse, but also throughout uh, the county. Okay. Um, any news on the arts board? Brad Williams might be. The only journalist in the city of La Crosse who covers the arts board, I think maybe mo- almost every month when you guys have your monthly meeting. Yes, at our last board meeting of the arts board, we considered um, or supporting a grant request that is going to be submitted that would allow us to have $50,000 matched with other sources, part of them being city, of course, and part of it being the board itself, to make positive steps towards the development of Nihosto, which will be, uh, when it's completed, an um, art park in the area 
that, res that exists between River Point North and Riverside Park. So if you are going to the north end of Riverside Park and you cross over the Lacrosse River, there's a converted railroad bridge there, and you walk into this other area, you will see a lot of sandbars and so forth. And that has been identified as a wonderful place for an uh, art park that has the name from um, uh, the Ho-Chunk Nation, uh, Nihosto, uh, that I'm told represents the confluence of the water. So there's three rivers come together, and that will be a park. So we talked about that at the Arts Board and how it can move forward and what are the steps. And this is a conversation you also had, obviously, with the Ho-Chunk Nation, right? Yes. So our chair uh, tells me that she, in the past, before I was on the arts board, had um, communicated and sought the advice and the um, permission, in a way, to use that name, um, which we wouldn't um, take it upon ourselves to em employ without the approval of the elders that she spoke to. Okay, so uh, an, arts, an arts park just north of Riverside Park, just over the river, and then just north of that is River Point District. Right. Um, how, much, how much does the city council have to do with the development of that district at this point? And going forward, I guess, moving into 2023, right? We, we're, river, river Point? River Point District, right? The, that whole business, well, I guess it's not just a business district, but it's kind of open to do whatever we want at this point, right? Right, so that's the River Point Development, um, RDA. The uh, old mobile oil site is what uh, right. maybe the old timers might say. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, so there's the RDA, River Point uh, Development Authority, I guess, okay. if I'm getting the words right that uh, overviews and has the participation of members of the city staff. And um, it is a, a development um, supported by many um, uh, resources, but also the, uh, what do they call it, tax increment financing. Oh, we're going TIFF talk now? we got to go there, doing? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we did a whole segment. Well, it was a week ago today when Mayor Mitch Reynolds took 12 to 15 minutes to talk about, uh, which is something you did in the city council last Thursday, some uh, uh, re rehashing the, the, the plan for TIFs, like how we're, we're going to go about those. Yes, we did talk about uh, TIFs and TIDs, yeah. Um, so it's a... Uh, TIDs with a D there, he said. Yeah, it's, so that would be tax increment district. Yeah. Um, that's related to the tax in increment uh, financing. Um, one of the members of the planning department, uh, Ms. Julie Emsley, gave a very thorough uh, response to questions that council members had raised at FNP, uh, explaining some of the changes that are coming forward with the um, legislation that was passed uh, at the council meeting. Yeah, we, we kind of, we did a, what do you want to call it? You re rework the TIF districts to just kind of make them better for people, for businesses coming in or small businesses like, or, or apartment people that want to, for, for housing. I think there's two things that um, come out of it particularly. So previously our TIF policy was included in city ordinance. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to remove the policies per se from the, the ordinance and, um, and then do some things with the ordinance as it, as it will be or as it is. But um, so that removal 
was sort of uh, what you could call uh, ind- industry standard um, because if you compare it to like 20 other cities our size, they all keep the, two, the policy itself apart from the ordinance separate. Yeah, separate. Okay. So we, we, we accomplished that. And then the other thing is we looked at the policy as it's being formulated now. And in general, it is more, um, I guess, it allows more freedom for consideration of projects uh, and to be sort of proactive rather than proscriptive. In other words, saying you can't do this, but rather more that we can do this, you know, sort of going positively rather than just saying, no, you can't do this or you can't do that. There are a lot of regulations uh, on the state level relating to the use of um, this kind of financing. And what we want to do in La Crosse is to look for avenues that we can use this tool to promote the development of areas in our town that otherwise wouldn't have a chance if we didn't have something like this available to us. Yeah, I think Mitch last week, the mayor... You can, he kind of said, when you say promote, it actually is going to promote businesses in whatever regard. Be like, oh, you change your tip policy. That's going to be something that I can take advantage of uh, easier or better. Um, and then it goes hand in hand with River Point as well, right? And we have a couple of these developmental projects going on in the city. Yeah. Um, Copper Rocks is another one. I don't, is there more than, I mean, there's, I mean, all the shop goes, I think, are, are going up. And, and so maybe, maybe some of these businesses take advantage of, Tiffs. Um, how often does something go through committees and the council where you just have no idea what what it's about and you really have to just, okay, I really have to study, I have to learn. You talked about the woman ta- explaining the TIF policy uh, and she did a thorough job. Maybe you're learning on the fly at that point. Does that happen often or you're just like, whoa, this is out of my league and I really have to study a little bit or, or pay attention and, and maybe ask a lot of questions? Because you don't know, and this it's out of your field of you know. If uh, if you came at at the uh, if something came from the to the city council that had to do with delivering babies, you might be the only person that knows what that they're talking about. Where everybody else would be, a they'd probably ask you a lot of questions, and b they'd have to like figure it out. Well, my the way I see my position is I want to be the the eyes and ears and voice of the people that I'm representing, the fifty fifty five ish thousand people that live in Lacrosse particularly those who live in my district. And so it is incumbent upon me to try to understand as best I can what it is that we're legislating, what is before us. And a lot of it comes forward from staff or from the mayor, and we just want to be sure that I am understanding it and it looks good um, and that I can relate it back to people. And so there is a, a lot of learning that has to go on all the time. And spending time with staff, please explain it to me. And when I'm at meetings... A lot of times I'll ask questions, not so much because I haven't already sort of researched the answer to the question, but because it seemed important to people who might be listening or paying attention. They might want to know, well, what about that? Mm-hmm. And even from the, you know, your, I just wanted to curl back to the TIF a little bit because you said uh, something about the um, TIF policy would be more favorable for businesses to take advantage of. I think the right way to think about it is that the new TIF policy is more favorable towards the city being able to collaborate with private interests to promote the interests of the of the um, form, you know the development of areas of our town. So it's not so much for the businesses, but for, rather it is for the city. But if it's too tight and too and too prostrictive, uh, then uh, people walk away. They say I can't I I can't operate in all that sort of tightness. 
Is prostrictive a word? Are we doing I'm making it up. There? Yeah, restrict. Restrictive? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't right. know. He's a doctor. What do I, what do I know? Um, 608-785. Yeah, I, 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 uh, 608-785-7914. I, I said a thing that didn't... Uh, it doesn't sound as good when you say the, the, the businesses are going to take advantage of the city. But And, and I, I didn't relay that great. Mayor, mayor kind of said that. The mayor said that, too, as well. It's a, it's kind of like a, both sides are going to be able to take advantage of the. It's just going to promote business coming to lacrosse. It's going to promote things like River Point and Copper Rocks. It, I would, it I, should. I it, it's designed to promote the development of our town and redevelopment. So if you have a town that has a wide open frontier, you know, what happens to that town? They keep expanding. They keep adding more development on the edges. Our town doesn't have that possibility to keep expanding because we're sort of locked in. Mm -hmm. And so the only way we can really promote the development of our town is to take areas that have fallen into um, less favorable uh, status and fix them up. And that's not real interesting to most developers. They say, I don't know. It's easier for me just to build on the edges. Uh, you know, we have a lot of that development going on north of Lacrosse. But how do you interest developers in Lacrosse if they they have to deal with so many complications? From you know, even this one we're talking about Riverside Point, you know, all that um, leftover uh, industrial waste that had to be cleaned up and dealt with environmentally. A developer's not going to come in and say, "Yeah, I can do that." You know. Right. Developer is going to say, let's go to a farmland, you know, let's go to some farm field where I can put in a new subdivision, and it's going to be a lot easier for me to turn a profit there. You mean Mobile didn't clean up their site when they left? I don't know. I wasn't here, but it was. <laughs> that's a three-decade history there. <laughs> um, so we were talking about the climate action plan real quick. I just want to, because Bill texted in, and, he, and I've gotten this question before. Uh, the climate action plan, what's it going to cost me? Like, how much money is it going to cost me as a taxpayer? He goes... Uh, he said, also, I know that you are eager to move the lacrosse because it's such a low-tax community. So he's thinking, like, my, the taxes are pretty high on lacrosse. Why would I move here? And now you're doing a climate action plan, which is going to add to the, you know, more taxes, I guess. Our city's going to have to provide services to make our town as enjoyable as we can for everybody. I mean, that is the overarching goal of your local government is that – People will desire to live here, and all of us will enjoy being in our community together. So that's our business. That's what the city has to do. And we're going to spend money to do that in the best way we can. But if we have this uh, threat in front of us of climate change, we can't ignore it. We have to become ready to respond to it, to adapt to it, and to uh, mitigate the effects as they're coming forward, increase the size of our you know, our stormwater exits, for example, so that our roads don't all have flood. So we have to do these things. And we need a plan in front of us that helps us to remain oriented toward how we're going to accomplish those tasks. If we don't use a plan, we're just going to fumble around and not get the things right so that our town won't be as good as it could be. So it's, our taxes are always going to be there, but we have to use them in any way we can for the favor of the future of our town. I mean, yeah, we every time, I mean, it's raining out right now, I don't know, but a lot of times when it rains, it floods, a lot of the streets get flooded, so it's like updating that. So part of this is combating climate change, and part of this is, is dealing with climate change that's already happened. You are exactly right. So there's two aspects. Mitigation means, you know, we have to deal with the effects and handle them, and the other one is to adapt so that um, we can live uh, within that context. Would you say another part of that climate action plan is setting an example for other communities or not? 
Well, I don't think it's a primary concern. No. I think that the, I think the climate plan is oriented towards the, the people of our area, of our town, and um, local. And certainly, I mean, if it's a, if it's a good example for others, well, <laughs> you know, that's a, a nice uh, side benefit. I mean, we see these extreme weather events occurring. A lot more often. I, last month, I, I had the National Weather Service on to talk about a year ago, a year and a month ago, we had all those tornadoes. The, the Riverside Park uh, was destroyed with those 90-mile-per-hour wind gusts. And um, so stuff like that is happening more often. And, just, you know, part of that battling climate change, but, but the city of La Crosse changing over to combat climate change seems like such a speck in, you know, like versus, you know, because the whole world needs to do this. And we're just like eh, a little bit, it's the little, just the little guy. <laughs> we are a small place on this large planet. And that's, that's why true. I say, is yeah. it more of setting example and then other communities follow suit? But I, I don't know if that's, that's a real big picture, but you know, yeah. as a country, I would say we need to do that more so than as a city. 608-785-7914. We're going to wrap up. I got one more thing. Uh, and Bill, thanks for texting. He's, he sent a picture. Be careful out there. He sent a picture of him driving through that Southside roundabout. All right. Just going to wrap up here with Dr. Mark Newman, city council member, um, who's headed to over to Viterbo for Martin Luther King. So what are, what are you going to see? You know, uh, so at Viterbo they had a Martin Luther King Appreciation Day with a lot of um, events during the course of the day and participations and so forth. This evening we have a we have a guest speaker. Um, I read his um, presentation. I showed it to my son who's in high school. I said, "Hey, we should go see this." He said, "Yeah, let's do it." So that's what we're going to do. Where's your son? You is it, you make him wait in the car while you're sitting in here? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, that's cool. And I, yeah, Viterbo always goes all out on Martin Luther King Jr. Day just to celebrate that the whole day. Correct. Um, all right, the last thing I want to talk about is the uh, another thing that the city council did, and I think they're putting it on a. You got the, the you have thirty days. The Harry J. Olson Senior Center, the Harry J. Olson Building, on North Street, I believe it is. Uh, you made an you made an offer, or did you remake an offer to the Senior Center group that's there to sell them the building for a dollar? With conditions, right? So the building owns, I mean, the city owns a building at 1607 North Street. And it's 0.88 acres and, you know, it's a pretty good-sized building. And this building has been leased by the Harry J. Olson Multipurpose Senior Center, Inc. So it's a nonprofit, non-stock uh, corporation registered in the state of Wisconsin that has been providing services for decades. And um, the city, back in 2016, extended the lease that was operative at the time for five more years, and that lease ran out, and then it was terminated in May of, i got to make sure I get my... I think it's 2020. Yeah. It ran out, but then it was terminated in May. Oh, I got you. And and 21. So... Um, at that point, we were kind of, you know, in a position of what's going to happen. Um, the the um, enterprise was continuing in the building owned by the city that um, did not have a lease for the use of the building. And there were some negotiations that went back and forth. And back in May of, this, of last year, 22, um, the city of La Crosse presented an offer for the sale for $1.00 to that, um, that corporation, Harry J. Olson uh, Multipurpose Senior Center, and it was not accepted. 
but there was no other progress that happened. It, people have their opinions about why that happened, but we were kind of in a position of we couldn't get it solved. And they it call w- that an impasse. An impasse. And um, so it, it went through some steps, but just to make a long, longer story short, it came before the council last Thursday. And the council said, let's go back to that May of 22 covenants and restrictions offer that and present it back to the corporation. Would you say there were three offers on the table during the council meeting? There was an offer presented by Andrea Richmond. Am I right there? Yes. And then you had an amended offer. Did you have an amended offer? Yes. And then, and then there's this old offer from last year. Right. right. And so there was a, a development and an amendment actually at the council, at the, at the council meeting that uh, hadn't been on the agenda before, but it was um, presented at the meeting and that was the one that got accepted. And essentially it was, um, the uh, offer for sale is there. The covenants and restrictions are recognized. And we would like for the potential buyer to have a decision before the expi- expiration of 30 days. Okay. As then, and are those restrictions pretty cut and dry to, to take the building for a dollar? Uh, not restrictions, conditions. The conditions relate to the importance of any public entity, any municipality disposing a property it has to be disposed with uh, respect to the owner, and that's all of us, because we all own the, the, the assets of the city. All these citizens own those assets and have invested in those assets. And when the city government disposes of them, there is an essential doctrine that the public purpose re- is respected. Um, if this is surplus property and we have to dispose of it, we, can't, we don't have any use for it, we'll sell it on the open market, we'll get a fair value back, and then we'll put that to operation and other needs of the government. But if it's a giveaway, if you're going to give it to somebody, then you have to have a counterbalance reason for doing that that serves the public purpose. And I think that the work that goes on at, um, by, this, by this group is very good, and people respect it and desire it a lot. And so there's real easy to see how it could be respecting the public purpose, but then we have to envelop it in some legal legal terms that we call covenants and restrictions. That means that we just we can't just sort of give it to you and I, we know you're going to do okay with it, but it has to be within limits. Essentially, what happens if you cannot continue doing what you're doing? Um you know, do, do you get to sell it then uh, to somebody else? Uh, because the city gave it to you for free. Uh, so that's it's kind of a crude way to a crude question to ask. But I'm trying just to give an illustration that it's not so easy just to say I'm going to give you that property if you're a city if you're a municipality because you can't give stuff away without putting guardrails that that action is going to serve the public purpose. All right, that's City Council Member Dr. Mark Newman, also on the Arts Board. The Harbor Commission represents District 13. He's on the FMP committee. We didn't get into the fact that there might just be too many committees. Uh, there's at least there's too many committees for me to keep track of. I, I know that, uh, but you do, you don't think so? You think more committees? Maybe not more committees, but we're at a good number of committees in the city. I think we're we have a good number. I think that we have a lot of participation by our citizenry in um, city government. And it's just great to have the committees, and it's good for people to be have, have positions where they can uh, participate, see ideas, and contribute to the discussion. All right. Thanks, Mark.